Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Practice for another episode of Cultural Committee. I'm David and my pronouns are he and him. I'm James and my pronouns are they and them 47. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Rob, my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Alistair, my pronouns are also he and him. We've watched more films. Did we? Against I'm not advice. Convinced we actually we did. keep doing this to ourselves. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I found I found Jamie's uh, YouTube videos very instructional. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's YouTube videos were more of a fucking film than what we watched. Mm. Yeah. At least they they had a sense of comedic timing in them. At least. Yeah, and narrative structure. You know. Mm-hmm. And you came yeah. away having learned something and remembering things, unlike for these films. Yeah, yeah I, they, know, I think it's, I think it's the hallmark of good cinema if you just forget it immediately after like the, <laughs> the credits roll. You know what I mean? Like what? if Will Smith can show your film to people that make them forget they saw Tommy Lee Jones fucking a predator or whatever, then that's like the you, you've achieved your goal as a, as a director. I think <laughs> a mental diuretic, love it. Oh, yeah. We watched the Hitman films because Jamie yes, loves Hitman, did. the video game, but does not love the films. That's like, right. Like your aunt who doesn't really understand that you're into this kind of thing. They've bought you the DVDs for that video game you're really into. <laughs> yeah. Well, it definitely lives up to like the proud tradition of all, all movies made of video games are fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mario Brothers would like a word. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like like many in the uh, video video game film genre, uh, it is a series of films or a duo of films, potentially a series if they do make the tr- the third film that they're thinking of making. They're, they're, they're completely they're apparently they're not. No, they're apparently, apparently making a TV show, and they've got the Wazics that did John Wick involved. So you know <laughs> See, that's going to be even worse than these two films because oh, it'll Jesus be longer. Christ. Not necessarily. That could like. No, it couldn't. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Because I mean, they're see- gonna they're gonna make it. Like it, the the guys from John Wick have been given a TV show about Hitman. It's gonna be like fucking Hitman running around with two guns, just shooting like four hundred guys. And like, what's the fucking point? Yeah, you could, you could make a you could make that film about literally anything. Why would you choose to make it about the, the stealth game where you murder people without being spotted? <laughs> yeah, I, that that that's kind of my the point I was uh, getting to was that these films do not care for the actual dare I say the phrase source material that these films are based on I I don't know about that I think they do care about the source material it's just that they weren't very good at playing it <laughs> no the, the, the problem is they, they like they fucking like took the story from the Hitman games which is just honestly fucking dog Terrible. shit dog yeah. shit yeah <laughs> it's on par with Assassin's Creed like big plot and that's really fucking shite like <laughs> I don't know, man. I'd like to go back in time and show them all Jamie's walkthrough videos before they get to the point where they're making this film and see if it massively impacts on what we end up with. If nothing else, we might get the flamingo suit and that could be if, worth the trouble. If any, if either of these films had a fucking suitcase that he throws at um, <laughs> like an un- unfortunate goon and it just tracks him sl- them slowly down a hallway, then he would have been a cinematic <laughs> masterpiece. Yeah. And yet they fail to... Fail to consider that such a small addition could make such a huge difference. That's, no, that's don't worry problem. about it though, that's... because in the the new series coming up, he'll be able to pay for that upgrade with the blues. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing though. It's like the Hitman games are like good when they're caught. It's it's like um, 
it's like the problem you have with like the Warcraft movie. Mm-hmm. The Warcraft games are are okay. They're they're quite good like gameplay wise, but the story is fucking dog shit. So like, how are you going to make a film about that? Like all of the writing in like say World of Warcraft is dreadful, except when they're being funny. Do you know what I mean? There's occasionally yeah. bits that are just sort of like daft and there, but no one wants to make like do you know what I mean. No one wants to spend like however how many hundreds of millions of dollars they spent on like fucking uh the the warcraft movie that like you know the one that the one they called the beginning quite optimistically yeah. <laughs> um, no one wants to spend that much money on like the princess bride they, they'd rather try and like ape lord of the rings and it's just a fuck you're onto a loser there and it's the same mm. with this bullshit it's like the hitman games are great when they're when you're playing them as a comedy but if you try and if you try and take the source material as like a serious fucking thing, it just reads like someone had a stroke while they were communing with Tom Clancy's spirit, and it's just not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, these. The, the, I think the chief the chief crime that stuck out to me from these films is that they take themselves so fucking yeah. seriously. Yeah, it's, it's like it's horrible. The, the yeah. only the only thing they actually did, like they both do it as well, to hint towards the fucking like lighter side of the games, is they include the rubber duck. Which is like a recurring motif in the game well, series. Well, yeah. they include a rubber duck, and there's one bit in the first film where he goes into, he like he crashes into a room, and there's kids playing the Hitman game on oh, the yeah, yeah, that is a oh. straight up fucking two thousands ass PlayStation video game advert. It's perfect. That is there the only this. bit of that film that I liked because I thought, <laughs> well, at least there's a different fucking medium being displayed here. Something about this film has changed thematically. <laughs> There were four things in these films that I thought tied to, like actually tied directly to the games, other than the rubber duck, because I didn't know that was a thing. And mm. that was, he changes his outfit once in the first film, so he's dressed up like uh, someone who works at a train station. He hides someone's body in a box for basically yeah. no reason. Uh, and in the second film, he changes his outfit to match uh, people that work in the building that he's in twice. And that's yeah. it. Oh, no, no, he changes it twice in the first one as well, because at one point he dresses up like a Russian ninja turtle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true, actually. Oh, uh, like, shout out to them, by the way. Right, so for the first film, I don't know why they did this, but whoever did the costume designers thought they should rip off the, the video game designs. And so, like, the Russian, like, special forces are all dressed like the shitty models in the, like, low-rent PS1 graphics, like, Hitman. Yeah, they all look like they escaped from a laser quest. No, they look like the... They they look like the soldier from the intercinematic to Fallout Las Vegas with like the 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 gas mask. Oh yeah, with the yeah st- stupid fucking gas masks at the end. Yeah, I mean like the the great thing the great thing about these two films was when like everyone like what everyone on the pod was watching them, they were all just like yelling at me about how shit the the one with Raylan Givens is was, <laughs> and it was just like oh no, it gets worse. Like buckle up, and then everyone just got like people people who were like. You know, it's fair to say, large mad at the first film, we're just fucking incandescent <laughs> with fury at the second one. Yeah. <laughs> Whose idea was this fucking thing anyway? It was Jamie's. Yeah, yeah. But it was. It was. Uh, it was actually. It was Doctor Knife Guns, and he's no longer with us. So we're going <laughs> to his memory yeah. by by watching these fucking films. What one quick costume change later, yeah. and Jamie was thrown <laughs> off at the suit. <laughs> So dedicated is he to Hitman's strategy, he brings it to his Twitter game. Oh, God. Um, I will uh, will say it, like, genuinely from the bottom of my heart. So the two films are called Hitman, and then because that didn't land, they're like, okay, let's make it more complicated. So the reboot is Hitman, codename 47. Agent 47. Um, Oh, Agent 47, whatever. Like, again, in Honestly, these movies pass through you like violent diarrhea. Like, nothing, it just doesn't stick. I I would say... I'd I'd seen them both before. 
and I couldn't really remember much about the fucking the uh, Timothy Oliphant one. But literally, all I could remember about the uh, Rupert Friend one was that there was a helipad at the end. That was that literally the only thing I could remember <laughs> was that it ended on a helipad. I couldn't remember like what happened on the helipad, whether there was even a helicopter there. But I literally knew that the final <laughs> scenes were on a helipad. That was that was the only thing I remembered. The, well, uh, some, the of the, some of the point. best films we've ever reviewed have uh, ended on a helipad. So who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the the second one, Hitman Codename Forty Seven, is genuinely the worst. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Let them Hitman, Let forgetable. Continue to disrespect it, please. Hitman Two, uh, forgettable semicolon. <laughs> it is genuinely the worst film I've ever seen. Hands down. Oh no, it's not. Like, oh. it, I mean, two years uh, it's worse than Moonfall. I don't, think it's, I, I don't think it's even the worst film you've watched for this podcast. To be fair, no, I, th- I honestly think it is genuinely, and I will justify that opinion when we come to talk about it later in this episode. Yeah. So Hitman Agent Forty Seven was the Hitman Blood Money of um these movies. What? Blood Money was good though. No, they're all shit. No, they're all shit. I think you're, oh, right. I think fucking you're f- down in tools to start the beefs now. I think you're you're thinking of um oh what the fuck's it called Absolution, mm, which is yes. the uh, the, the gritty grindhouse one where you like oh, distract the I cops am. by throwing the dead stripper off a balcony and stuff like that. <laughs> Fuck's <Yeah>. sake. <laughs> It's been years since I've played like, any of them other than the new one, yeah. and even that I Blood didn't Money, terribly well. Blood Money is the one before Absolution that everyone thought, mm-hmm. oh, this is a... For, for me, Blood Money was the first time a Hitman game was actually good. Yes. Um, and then, like, but you can't go back and play it now because, holy shit, is it bad. <laughs> yes, it, it, it was, it was Vindicated. very good at its time. <laughs> it has not aged well. I, could, I, I tried to replay it before the new one, the new trilogy started, and uh, I couldn't get through the fucking tutorial with its incredible incredible fucking uh, illustration of american gangsters yeah because <laughs> you just know they just found some danish people around their office and just got them to like can you do a black voice it's you know what so... i mean that was, it's, it's fucking <laughs> it, dire it's it's real gold star you tried kind of stuff oh mm. no but i will i will i will say this right okay so for you know to just kind of set the scene, there was the original Hitman games and a couple of like weird niche spin-offs for portable devices, right? And they were all right. But the last one of that set was called Hitman Blood Money, which was actually good. And then mysteriously, they kind Relatively. of stopped doing them for a while. And then they did um, they did a reboot called Hitman Absolution and a couple of games off the back of that, which no, were dire. It was just Absolution, Jamie. I think. Oh, no, they did, did one sequel to it, didn't they? No, no, because Absolution essentially killed it until the uh, the reboot Ooh, in, like, 2016, 2015. Okay, okay. Can't, Hitman then, 2016, yeah. But then finally, they decided to do a complete reboot and just did a Hitman game, and that led to a trilogy. And they're very good. They're extremely yeah. good games. Um, you know, Jamie, little known fact, I think has only come up a couple of times on the pod, Jamie does speedruns of it. Um, and if you ever want to like learn how to play I mean, Hitman, I mean, you say that, but like about three of the, I've got like fucking dozens of videos of, of me playing Hitman, and maybe three of them are actually speed runs. The rest are just me fucking around. Yeah, well, I didn't say you're <laughs> any good at it, Jamie. I just said you do speed runs. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so, just like go to Jamie's YouTube channel and find out. Like it's that. I have that occasionally, I have occasionally set a world record that lasted for as long as it took a person younger than me to get on their computer and beat it. <laughs> <laughs> but like mostly it mostly it's just stupid shit like can i like fucking run around with a loud gun dressed as a bird and still complete the level without being spotted and stuff like that you know <laughs> which if it's... the films if the films ever did anything like that would be miles better 
in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, if what what they really need is for a part of the films to be set in like a fairground, so he's dressed up in like a giant bunny suit or something, and then he has to leave the fairground without changing his suit, without being spotted. Perfect scenario for a Hitman film. These, also, however, should, should we just should we should we dive into this? I mean, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say about the 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 fairground thing there is like the closest. I, I, you would you would say the closest that like fucking um, films have come to the Hitman sort of like ethos is Roger Moore's Bond films. Do you know what I mean? Where he's trying to be like a suave mm. spy, but he's also like ridiculous. And they lean in, they lean into the sort of like com like he's running around dressed as a clown or whatever while he's trying to like stop fucking Russians from blowing up the planet or some shit. That's that's more in the sort of Hitman thing. But now that I've brought it up. There is actually like the blueprint for Hitman, like the entire Hitman video game series, actually occurs in um, the Living Daylights. Because there's the bit in that where they've like the guy's defected and he's at a, an MI6 safe house somewhere in the English countryside, and the KGB guy like strangles the fucking milkman with a pair of headphones so that he can steal his disguise. And then breaks in and then gets caught hiding a body in a freezer and has to like shoot people and throw novelty <laughs> explosives everywhere to get out in perfect no notes. If, the sh- if these movies had taken anything like that as an approach, they'd have been tolerable. But instead, what we got was the first film, which was solely redeemed by getting to see Timothy Oliphant try to hide in his own skin away from the material he's been given to work with. <laughs> and then the second film. I got nothing. That second film has got no redeeming features whatsoever. Kieran Hines is only in it for a mercifully short amount of time, thus blemishing his career the least. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hope Kieran Hines got like paid big for that fucking accent he puts puts up in that fucking movie though, because holy Christ, that's all. Oh, I mean, these these two films, these two films are accent city. It's just <laughs> and the, uh, the the weird voice dubs as well in several sections. Oh, the ADR like, was so fucking bad. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, we didn't like that take. Should we redo it now? We'll fix it in post. Just like over yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> anyway, right. um, shall we? Shall we just? Shall we? We've already started. We've yeah. talked yeah, for like twenty right, minutes. Shall we just okay. go someone. Again? I've Someone talk us it. through the film that fucking Raylan Givens couldn't save. Although actually, that's not true because he was never Raylan Givens at this point. This is pre-justified. Yeah, that's yeah. True. This is he has he has not yet found the hat, which is yes. why you know he's incredibly bald. So, um, if, can you <laughs> picture through this film? Let me just give you an image. It's got Raylan Givens, Timothy Oliphant, except he's proper bald, like actual seriously like bald. Yeah, not rip off bald. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah this no, will he's... come up later. This is foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is for Chekhov's bald man. Anyway, um, he is he is wearing a suit which is inexplicably uh, ill-fitted to him. Like, it, it's slightly too large for him. And I don't know why the set dressers were like, oh yeah, that looks fine. Because what it ends up doing is unless you've got a slightly baby man running around doing, like, Hitman <laughs> stuff. It's not just the suit, though. It's, like, the shape of his head because yeah, he's, like, it's bald. So it's just so disjointed. <laughs> it makes him look like a little child, yeah. The suit makes him look like he's in talking heads. <laughs> it does. 
He really looks like he's wearing like his dad's hitman uniform to school for like you know <laughs> what does your dad do on, on school day? It's just it's genuinely an exciting. I mean, like there's there's several bits where they shoot him and you're like um you're seeing him from the side and like his his collar rises up he's, like ridiculously far up his neck and his shoulders are like not properly contoured. He just he just welcome to James's suit weird. analysis corner. It's just what, I just don't understand. That's like, actually it's... that's actually done on purpose. It's so that it looks like he has a bigger hitbox than he actually does <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay so this this entire film has a framing narrative which is how you know it's going to be good and it has a flashback within the framing narrative which is how you know it's going to be even better so <laughs> inside a heavily guarded facility a group of young boys are given tattoos of barcodes on the back of their shaved heads. Which, by the way, right, in the Hitman games, he's got a barcode on the back of his head. And they solely did that to give him something distinctive. Because otherwise he's meant to, like, blend in and, you know, just a bit of character design. It makes no fucking sense in, like, a, a real-world context whatsoever. But by God, they kept it for the films. Anyway, these boys are then trained in weapons, demolitions, unarmed combat, stamina, and strength to become globally operating professionally trained Hitmen. And by the during way, current, sorry. By the way, this this whole intro scene where uh, they're go- they're doing like the flashback of uh, what the, you know the 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 process of becoming the hitman. Yeah, the murder uh, is, academy. Uh, is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is is footage ripped from a TV series that uh, the I, I think it's the producers or whatever uh, had the rights to? So it's not even original footage for the most part for this intro. Seriously, yeah. Incredible. That's astonishing. Wow. Okay. And during the current day, an Interpol agent named Mike Whittier, with the uh, he's played by Dougray Scott, who has the uh, the worst Scottish accent. Yeah, it's his favourite character right there. <laughs> I think Aye. I've ever heard. Fucking Kanji like, Club guy's uncle. Thanks. <laughs> they basically said, "Listen, can you say there's been a murder?" And he's like, "I, I suppose I can." And they're like, "Right, you're hired." It's it's really terribly bad. Uh, anyway. So this Interpol agent arrives home and is met at gunpoint by Agent 47. And the two talk about 47's life as a professional hitman, raised and trained by a mysterious paramilitary group simply known as the Organisation. And that's the framing narrative. I fucking it's like, forgot yeah. that this was like a flashback narrative as well. Yeah, so like the, the two ends of the film are like bookmarks of them talking in this guy's study while you know Agent 47 has him at gunpoint. Yeah, like the, the another another good thing about these two films is they're extremely good at sapping away any sense of like tension or like yeah. There's risk. a bit there's a bit where Agent Forty Seven shoots the Interpol agent right, and he falls down as always, just like being killed, and it's just like you're sitting there going, well, obviously he's not dead. Like yeah, it's, it's very clearly he's obviously he's probably wearing a vest. Oh look, he's wearing a vest. Okay, and it's like why why do this to yourself? Why do this? Anyway. So the, the rest of the film, bear in mind, those, this isn't woven throughout. It's just a beginning and end. You could have cut them I off just, and it would have been okay. I was just about to say, it obviously takes more than one bullet to stop Doug Ray Scott, but I've just realised there's that bit in Justified where he says, like, oh, three first names, you know that guy's a winner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This film would have been massively improved by Raylan Givens being the one doing all this I mean- assassin bullshit. I found Timothy Oliphant's performance the like least worst thing about it. Like yeah. it was fun to just see him having fun with it. I guess. Uh, just, I I'm you not know, sure if he was ill-fitting honest, suit notwithstanding. I, th- I honestly feel like he was dying of embarrassment throughout. Was my I, take on it? I thought it was distracting as fuck. Um, because at <laughs> no point did I think Hitman had that accent. 
Yeah, there was the element of that as well. Anyway, so uh, three months prior, the dude from Santa Clara Diet is competing, <laughs> is completing a hit on a Nigerian warlord named Who Cares. Um, force f- and he does it by basically force feeding a captured soldier plastic explosives and using him as a human bomb to kill the dude. So, like, they pick up this guy, he can't speak for, like, what's going on, and then Hitman detonates the, uh, the bomb, you know, kill them all in, in one go, just to kind of set up that this isn't stone-cold ice, you know, ice in his veins Can, operative. I think This I think, is, um, by the way, also I'm, I'm, set, like, in an, in an imaginary uh, African country that is roughly similar to, like, Black Hawk Down or something. Like, it's just, like, yeah. a dusty <laughs> plane where people just machete each other for fun, because that's what yeah, African every, people everyone do. Everyone was wielding very sharp machetes, weren't they? Every, yeah, single, um, every single cat badge that was worn was a Soviet one that they'd taken the red off as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, another film where they wish the Soviet Union was still real. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it was definitely war-torn Central African Republic TM. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah, the yeah, setting yeah. for it essentially not angola um, yeah so this is to introduce him as like a no, you know give no fucks assassin sort of thing um and he's contacted by his his handler diana burnwood um and told that his his next target is the russian president uh mikhail belikov right um and that he's to kill him publicly instead of privately um so okay cool we're going to russia and Agent 47 completes his mission really easily. He gets up on a, a tower like four kilometers away, they say it is. Yeah. And uh, he shoots one of the guy's agents to get a clear shot. And then when that when the bodyguard goes down and they all stand around going, Hur, he then fires another bullet and takes out the uh, Russian president. Boom. Done. End of movie. That's it. We can all go home now. So he's just just shot the target and uh, he leaves his fucking gun to explode on the fo- top of the yeah. fucking tower yeah. for yeah, some he, inscrutable he, reason. Yeah, he, he disassembles decides his gun. Decides to leave evidence. <laughs> yeah, he disassembles his gun, puts it back in the case and leaves and then the case blows up, drawing attention to the sniper's nest where he just shot from. It's like, what? Like, why not? What? Do I not carry just it out with you? bring the gun with you, with you or... dude. Yeah, or I mean... leave it there. Like the this film, this film definitely like you you'd watch it and you'd be forgiven for thinking this is the most we let a twelve year old child with a very bad idea of what's cool direct a movie film that's ever been made until mm. you see the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jamie isn't lying. So um, he goes to court to his handler, and he's mystified when he's told the hit was a failure, and he's like bullshit. I shot that guy straight through his nasal cavity into his brain. He's gone. Um. But no, it, apparently it was a failure. Uh, he survived the attack on his life, and apparently there's a witness to the assassination who he has to intercept and kill. And he's like, no one saw me. What? All right, fine. No one saw me blow, my, blow up my own briefcase. Don't be absurd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe if I hadn't done that, then there definitely wouldn't have been a witness. <laughs> so he, um, he goes to take out the target on a busy high street, um, and when he sees her, he does not shoot her because she's obviously the female lead and, you know, that's the start of the film, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's like, she doesn't recognise him and that's why he doesn't shoot her because it's like she's not a witness if she looks right at him and doesn't recognise him. But also, I mean, like, someone at some point, I feel, during the production of that film must have been fired for raising their hand and going like, hold on, he's going to shoot her in front of, like, 20 people. Are they not all them witnesses as well? (laughs) Like, (laughs) don't think about it. 
Instead, he he narrowly avoids an assassination attempt by another bald agent. And get ready, there's a lot of bald agents in this film. Oh yeah, um, I mean that's that, like that's part of the fucking terrible backstory from the game is that there was supposedly they were making clones for like they were mm. using the best DNA in the world to make like the perfect fucking human, which is why it's a giant white guy. Well, actually, okay, if I remember the game slightly, the thing was that actually there was a flaw in the process and it made them albino. I believe was originally part of the script for the first games and then they mysteriously just kind of lost that part later on. So it's like, all right, okay. Anyway, that's also why he's hairless, by the way, in the original games. Um, anyway, now uh, I'll just adjust my spectacles and, uh, you know, sort my uh, yeah, retainer. I'm, I'm, I'm firing then... up the uh, Hitman law wiki right now. Just, yeah. to... <laughs> just, just ignore the edited by an Arkenbury teeth mod on there and we'll be fine. Anyway. Um... Why were you banned for posting about circumcision so much? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me on the Silent Hill wiki, I'll have you know. <laughs> anyway. Um... So anyway, so he gets back in contact with his employers and um, he finds that his employers have basically so- sold him out and they've sent his location identity to the FSB. No, he, he gets he gets called... warned by the by the Diana yeah, voice yeah, on yeah. the phone. I'm, I'm about to get to that, Rob. Oh, sorry. He gets called by his handler, Diana, who tips him off and says that basically um, Belikov himself, that is the Russian president, is the one who ordered the hit, which makes no sense. Um, so we then get an interminable escape the hotel scene i mean you say it makes no sense but i feel like if david had the uh the the means to hire an international hitman he might be the target himself (laughs) that's true i'm sorry i'm just picturing now hitman dressing up as jones david's cat in order to get to him and uh rather enjoying that one well done 47 (laughs) (laughs) the last act of david as he's dying on his his desk (laughs) hit that button (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one target down <laughs> okay would anyone like to describe the action scene of the escape from a hotel that ends with him plunging into a river boring yeah it's, it's fucking yeah. shit it's like it, the core concept of the hitman games is that essentially like you're a stealthy dude who does stealthy things to like really quietly take somebody out so it's either looks like an accident and then like you make your escape without being spotted this is the exact opposite of that it's like what if we just did more explosions because obviously the five-year-olds who are going to see this in cinema have the attention span of you know a, a small a small rabbit so clearly we need to like do bang bang now and it's fucking terrible yeah, they, they, like, set up his escape route. Like, he, he puts these strange little marble things on the carpet outside Yeah, as if his, no one's going to notice them. It's, it's yeah. wild, like. So that if you step on them, it transmits a signal so that he knows there's someone outside my door. I know, I think it up... just literally just makes a noise, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it just does, makes it a does crunchy just make noise. A noise. Yeah, he, mm. hears, he hears the crunching. It's basically the bit from, like, the 90s, like, the first Mission Impossible film where Tom Cruise, like, crushes up a light bulb and sprinkles mm-hmm. it outside the door yeah. of the, the safe house. But, like, obviously, remember. you know, it's that, but, like, to make it not look like that, they've, like, gone, oh, what if he had these, like, weird crunchy marbles in his pocket at all times, rather than just he unscrews a light bulb? Yeah. And yeah, also, he know. affixes, like, he a, put... a uh, what I can only describe as uh, a prop from the Star Wars Expanded Universe to the door that explodes yeah. when it's opened. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's sci-fi it, it's... claymore. 
it's so fucking like i mean lots of fucking films do this sort of shit where it's like oh we've got to come up with a cool thing that the fucking protagonist does when he's in a hotel room to make sure like <laughs> like fucking enemies don't burst through the door and it's always the stupidest shit imaginable um like i mean oh, i'm just gonna put like a fucking limpet mine on the back of the door so that if the cleaner ignores the do not disturb sign we all go up in flames <laughs> he also uh he also ties an, ties an abseiling rope to the balcony yeah. um, of his rooms. And then basically when they show up at his door to take him out, he hears the crunch, he runs for the balcony, the door explodes behind him, but he doesn't look at it because he's a cool guy. And he mm-hmm. grabs a rope and goes over the balcony and swings and smashes through into the room below where the kids are playing the Hitman video game on the TV. Because, sure, yeah. why not, why not put an advertisement for your product in the film that is yeah. itself literally an advertisement it's for your really product. fucking good as well because <laughs> like it's the, the framing of it is so fucking good and that he rolls into the room and looks at the two people who are there and they do the the, the whole it's like you know like late 90s early to oh, it's fucking 2007 christ but it's, it's got the air of that kind of late 90s early 2000s video game advert where the two gawk faced fucking yeah losers just slowly turn round to look at the person who just burst into the room amidst a fucking explosion and broken glass and then as he walks past them inexplicably leaving witnesses they just slowly turn back together to look at the screen and then when it goes to show you the screen they put zero effort into making it fucking like seeable so it's all yeah. washed out as fuck it's terrible yeah, looking. It's, this uh... is approximating what a hitman video game could look like <laughs> No, I think they actually just put Hitman video game on the TV in the shot and didn't give any thoughts about... It's it's, it's very early film. YouTube streaming where literally people would just point a camera at their <laughs> screen and then record. Like, it's it's like dog shit Let's Play from the earliest days of, like, the, the, the SA sub forum. <laughs> yep. No notes. That's, yeah. that's basically it. But then he, like, he shoots, like, a hundred fucking cops and jumps into a river. Yep. Yeah, run, run, but- bang, bang. We, know, need, we need to point out this is the uh, the arrival of like important fucking um, like guy you recognise and it's the fucking it's the pedo from the first season. Well, I don't know if he was in subsequent seasons, but prison. He's break. in many seasons, and I don't want to talk about that because I'll get very yeah. Sad I stopped. I, I stopped so watching Prison Break. I I stopped watching Prison Break at the end of the first season when their like super elaborate clever plan devolved to just pull a knife on the fucking on the the warden because it's like I feel like your prison like if you're building a prison you should maybe go what if someone pulls a knife on the warden how how could they escape then and maybe design around that you know it it seems like maybe your, your writers are just shit if that's the best they can fucking come up with in a show about a clever plan to get out of a prison is what if we pull the knife. <laughs> Hitman but, prison break going strong. But anyway, I digress. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, so like we also get the subplot of here's the Interpol agent is coming to try and capture him, but the Russian FSB go in first, and uh, clearly Russian FSB officer is bad guy, and uh, you know Scottish you can tell he's bad guy because of the fucking terrible accent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the fucking Russian accents. You could just hire one Russian. Do you know what I mean? If if a large part of your film is set in Russia, just hire a Russian. Do you know what fucking fucks me off the most is they speak Russian to each other, but then sometimes they speak English to each other in the terrible, interminable fucking English-Russian accent. Yeah. For some reason, just speak to each other in Russian and subtitle it. You've already done this in the film. They're doing that thing with the, uh, with the, the accents where, like... 
if you just if you just heard like a random sample of it, you couldn't like place the country. So they just have them say Tovarish every like fucking at the end yeah. of every sentence. <laughs> they also like... they also have that bit with the fucking uh, people waving around a Russian Federation flag, so you know it's definitely not the Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like it's you know the only film that's ever really done the like accents versus like native language thing properly is Hunt for Red October. Yes, where they that's start that... with them all speak. They, that, they start trying to do that. Russian. Yeah, they're trying to do that, but they do it like nine fucking times throughout the film as if they need to re-establish it every scene. Yeah. Anyway, a, um, so, so you know, we get introduced to them. The Interpol agent's like, oh, I have jurisdiction. The FSB guy's like, well, actually, I have jurisdiction and you are not welcome. <laughs> we love, like, we oh. love to have uh, an entire film about Interpol jurisdiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually went and looked up what Interpol's jurisdiction was in Russia. It, it does it not have any? Just out of, just assume. No, it here. did. It did actually did actually have offices in 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 Russia. I don't know if it, they're current or not with everything that's going on, but certainly back in the nineties and the two thousands, they certainly had offices. And yes, they did have jurisdiction. So um, I'll probably forget you know, this to mention this later on. But there's a really fun part about like um, where someone mentions that uh, Russia EU's the EU is in Russia's pocket basically on something, and I just oh, thought yeah. that was very funny and very of the time considering. That's when uh, it's when Doug Ray Scott's boss comes in to tell him to drop the case, yeah. or the mayor's going to have his badge or some shit. <laughs> yeah, kind of that kind of vibe. Anyway, um, so uh, he you know he he gets out essentially, um. And he intercepts the woman he was meant to kill, who's named Nika, um, who is Belikov's mistress. Well, we say Belikov's mistress. It's implied that actually she's a sex worker who he's just got on retainer. This, by the way, it is at this point, if I may just jump in, where both films, I think, to put it charitably, have something of a problem with women. But this fucking no. thing is, like, incredible. Like... Just well, would it shock you, Rob, to know that both films are written by the same person and have done a little research about them just to kind of <laughs> like we 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 will come to talk about Skip Woods. Yes, that's his name. You should never <laughs> skip the woods. <laughs> now I feel like this guy. I feel like this guy wandered into oh the woods and never came God. out again. The haircut of this guy on Wikipedia. Oh yeah, incredible. it's fantastic. I'm about to link it in the uh, what do you call it. Um, channel so for the benefit of Jesus you know, again doing Christ. that visual medium thing again um here is skip woods everyone <laughs> he looks like mickey rock playing kurt cobain yeah. <laughs> but i mean so, uh, just like on... she um uh nika is played by uh olga kurilenko who i think most people will know she was a bond girl in i can't remember which one quantum Quantum of Solace. Yeah, she's a good actress. She's Sorry, a f- credit's due. She is she's very a fine good at actress. what she does. She's a fine actress, and she does, I think, a passable job with like the dog shit fucking role she's given. But like, all women she's in been... this film are objects to either yes. wear no clothes or soon to wear no clothes, and to just act as like what i imagine this scream what the scriptwriter or the director or whoever like whatever unholy people were involved with this fucking production think that like this is what the audience of a hitman movie wants to see and it is Look, genuinely fucking disturbing like it's really well, fucked up. They, they, they address that in the second film by giving you a woman who is a constant migraine so who are you <laughs> to disparage the outlook of these films on women 
Yeah, the, the, the women in these films are basically set dressing um, and, mm. you know, plot devices. That's, that's basically it, right? And um, I will, you know, credit to the actress, um, you know, playing Nika. Um, she absolutely put, like, she's the only one who isn't filming it in in this film, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, it still is terrible just because she's got nothing good to work with. But, like, my God, she tried to, she tried to polish the turd as I hard mean, and well as she could. Timothy Oliphant's doing that thing that Timothy Oliphant does in everything before Justified where he just looks mad at the director. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> every scene you just get the idea that words were exchanged immediately before someone started like, like fucking action. No, like he was... Because he's the same in Die Hard 4 which is another maybe. film where they just waste him entirely. He just looks maybe. furious. He, he, was, he was good in, he was good in um, Deadwood though so it's like... Uh... You know, I, I just genuinely think he didn't want to be in this film. There's no, well, no other That's, I mean, that's the thing, like, he, he's good in Deadwood. He was in, like, a couple of things before that. I can't Was it Go? Oh, that, I can't remember. Like, fucking Tarantino-style thing with a bunch of different stories intersecting. And it's, like, some people, like, people are on drugs and then, like, some other... He's, like, a fucking drug dealer or something that's trying to kill someone. Anyway... It was the 90s, you know what I mean? Everyone was doing yeah. that. There was probably someone from Dawson's Creek in it or something. He's <laughs> <laughs> good in about... Deadwood, and then he's like in a bunch of films where they just like, they, they obviously just give him some shit, and he's like, well, I'm not happy with this. I'm going to look actively not happy with it throughout every fucking scene. <laughs> and then like the, the justified people are going like, right, what if we just like, it's a safe bet, we just get him to do the guy from Deadwood again, but like with a more modern hat. No, they didn't. I mean, totally different character. Like, here's the thing: when I first watched Deadwood, I thought all the performances were stellar, apart from Oliphant's, because I thought it was pretty wooden and stuff. And it wasn't until I saw Justified that I went, "Oh shit, that's just who the character is." And then I rewatched Deadwood and enjoyed it far much, you know, more, because I realised, oh no, this is how the character is meant to be. It's not just him being stiffly acted. He is just this stiff. Um, so it's like you know, he's got range. I just, I just, just right. Shall we? Shall I, we I keep moseying fathom. on? Because otherwise, we have a whole yes. other movie to talk about, and this is. Yeah, all right, okay. So, um, right, so he, he intercepts her and he interrogates her and discovers that Belikov had a double. And the double is the one who ordered the hit on the real Belikov in order to take his place as the president of Russia. Oh, is that what it was? Because like, I, like I did yeah. not fucking understand that Yeah, that, at that all. did not register upon first I viewing. thought that there <laughs> no, were clones. It's, it's... I thought that the Russian president had clones. I was so no, fucking the confused. Russian president had, the, the Russian president had, had some doubles, and one of the doubles basically got in bed with the FSB um, chief guy who we saw previously and basically said, how about I run Russia? And he went, I okay. And then said, right, I need you to take out the real Belikov and all of his other doubles so that I can then assume power. W what's that? DNA testing? Never heard of it. Anyway, um, so the organization basically is meant to be like neutral. They like sell their assassins to anyone. They're hoping to get influence with the new Russian government. And so they ordered 47 to kill Nika and set him up to be erased to cover their tracks. So that's there's the plot of the film. How are they going to get out of this jam? Um, well, because so we the, then... the fucking the other agent they sent to kill him is about a hundred years old. Well, that's, <laughs> that's how he gets out of that jam. He's been pursued by Agent Seventy Four. Yeah. <laughs> what's uh, what's what what then proceeds is we have another fucking fight sequence on a train when Nika and Forty Seven are attacked by more organization agents. They send like four baldies to uh, to it's take out Agent Forty Seven. It's such a bizarre scene because like oh, is this when he? Fight with the he samurai kneecaps, swords. He kneecaps the old guy. Like, his fucking da gets kneecapped. Yeah. And then he runs off to, like, fucking chase someone. And he fights, like, three other fucking, like... Four. 
No, it is three. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Three. He fights three others, but the impression you get is that like they're all fighting. Like you know what I mean? The way they they all turn up pointing guns at each other. It's like okay, so what? There's four of them all turned up independently. Just and they're all angry with each other. This is what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it's like fuck. It, you just think it's like bald, bald Highlander or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Later on, it, he's just fighting all four of them. So, so I can explain this after we're done with this recap. By the is way, is it because is a... John Woo films like does a lot of two like people pointing two guns at each other, and no, the director it, thought that? Oh looked my cool. god, the, the, fucking what's his like? Skip Woods loves the fucking two guns, one gun in each hand, pointing in separate directions. Shot the Mexican just, standoff ugh. thing. Yeah. Well, that's actually that's Xavier Jens likes that, and we'll, we'll come back to Xavier as well. He'd like another not a name an executive producer of the first film was Vin Diesel. So <laughs> was he? Yes, yeah. it came up in the credits. I took a Jesus picture of it to send Christ. to Jamie. <laughs> wow! I was that amazed by the idea of Vin Diesel being an executive producer on this. It all okay, made a lot more well, sense at the end. I mean, I imagine. They probably had Vin Diesel in mind at some point, and then he couldn't do he, it. He left um, at some point in production, I think. Yeah, ah, or before production, actually. So anyway, um, they get into they get into a Mexican standoff, and Raylan basically goes, "Well, uh, if I'm gonna die, can I can I go out like?" Well, with no, honor? he asks he asks them, "Wouldn't you rather die with some dignity?" And then they all like fucking drop the magazines out of their guns, yeah, they, but they, they do don't this, remove they do... the round from the chamber. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, we do this whole thing where we all kind of they, they look at each other and each of them nods in turn. Then they drop their guns and all of them draw twin wakizashis. Like what? It's just like out this, of the this whole bit. This whole bit where like um, they're having they're having the fight on the train and then he kicks the last guy out the window and fights him under the train on the, like the because the train it's like a, a service yard, isn't it? And you can get underneath the train like in a fucking pit to like fasten mm. the fucking wheels on or some shit whatever it is you do with a train and like that <laughs> that whole scene there's like there's some actual fucking like ambition there it, it is very like it you could if they had people like actors that could actually fight and a director that wasn't a fucking idiot you could actually maybe see that scene being in like a, a good martial arts film but mm. it's just it's just constantly like lots of jump cuts because no one can actually throw a punch oh or God, swing a sword cuts. And like yeah. every time, every time like fucking Agent Forty Seven does anything remotely acrobatic, it's the back of his head you see. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, t- I will also add th- those um, fucking swords that they all pull out look like they're made out of the same fucking material that you'd like wrap your dinner in. It's like yeah. the chintziest fucking metal that you've ever seen. Like it's a uh, mole ninja. It's mole hitman, basically. Yes, exactly. You know, it's also a dog shit fight scene because like they're just like it's... waving the swords at each other at considerable yeah. distances, and there's like the yeah the risk is the risk factor is just absolutely zero. Well, like I say, it's it's like it's that fucking it's that Hollywood thing where you you watch like someone who's actually good at fucking action, like you watch Jackie Chan or someone like do a bunch of like fucking incredible shit with like some really original fucking ideas and and all this sort of stuff and you just go well we can copy that and you just think that like having it in the same setting with the same number of participants is all it needs and it's like no you know you go oh well none of the people involved can fight so should we just cut really quickly so you can't tell they can't fight and it's like yeah that, the, the thing is though people are watching that and the reason it's so good is because you you get to see how like jackie chan can fight you know what i mean like it wouldn't Jackie Chan films wouldn't be anywhere near as good if it cut to a, a reverse shot every time he punched someone. 
I think a large part of what made Justified work so well was any time Raylan Givens got into a fight, he just got the shit kicked out of him, and <laughs> Timothy Oliphant knows how to act that. Um, but for this, no, he can't throw a punch. Not it's playing just as to his strengths, this film. No, it's really not. Um, for one, they made him get rid of all of his hair, and that's like, what are you doing, mate? Anyway, so um, they uh, they have a fight on the train. Sure, why not? Um, this is where they, they hide the body, uh, a body in a box as well. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like, following know, along at home, or all of them. He hides like four the... bodies and like all the guns and and leftover swords in there, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically, you know, check mark. Uh, we've met one of our ga- video game nod obligations. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> gamers stay at, seated. <laughs> yeah, at this, at this point, the um, the fucking uh, Interpol guy shows up and attempts to arrest Forty Seven. He's easily overpowered, aka shot in his bulletproof vest. Um, Nika ha- has caught back up with Forty Seven at this point and pers- persuades him to let the Interpol agent go f- go free. And then the Interpol agent is forced to leave Russia by the corrupt FSB officer. Um, so. It's so funny. Uh, he keeps going, but I'm Interpol, don't you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah <laughs> like, that part, my guy. That part at least sure. had some, uh, you know, like I could see an Interpol agent being that whiny about it, frankly. Anyway, um, 47 contacts a CIA agent um, who's his associate, offers him a deal. He will kill um, the president's younger brother, who's a wealthy arms dealer and human trafficker. Do you know what? This, this part of the film, I, th- I must have blacked out or something, because yeah, I, I do know, not remember like... this bit at all. <laughs> no, it's, it's set up for a fight and nothing else. Basically, like he goes, right, will you do me a favour? CIA goes, well, I'll do you a favour, but what's it? what are you giving me in return? He goes, I'll kill the, pre- the Russian president's younger brother, who's a wealthy arms dealer and human trafficker, and <laughs> no politics in this film, uh, in exchange for a favour. Um. So what's you know, um what's weird about this right, is like Agent Smith is a recurring character in the games. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, like you wouldn't know. I don't think I don't think it, it's mentioned in the film. He just introduces himself as Agent Smith. But like in the credits, he's Smith is his first name for some fucking <laughs> like inexplicable reason. And I was just like, what the fuck? Smith, called, comma Agent. Yeah, he's credited as Smith Jameson. <laughs> just, it's just fucking baffling like <laughs> which was this was this the bit where they spend a bunch of time uh, the fucking Interpol guys spend a bunch of time bugging the uh, FSB yeah Oh, yeah. God. Well, yeah, the, the, the bit that annoyed that. me about this is where all the fucking FSB agents are referring to each other as comrade in 2007 in yeah. the Russian Federation yeah. what the fuck what? so desperate Anyway, uh, Smith tells 47 that the guy he's going to take out for him has been planning something with a German gunrunner named Price. So, Price is in Istanbul. So no, no, not, not Istanbul. Istanbul. For some reason, there's an <laughs> M in there. For some fucking reason. <laughs> Istanbul. Okay. So, uh, 47 and Nika travel to Istanbul. Um they abduct Price and then 47 poses him to get to a club. I'm skipping over a whole thing where inexplicably Nika makes a like tremendous pass at 47 repeatedly, um, including some pretty gross shots of her just being topless for no for particular no reason. reason. Yeah, this, this is, is talking um, about that this fucking is to scene. Illustrate, in... yeah. This is to illustrate how neurodivergent like 47 is because he just like injects her with the fucking like knockout drug. To make, yeah, to make she... her stop, like, making him uncomfortable by trying to, like, fucking shag him. 
Yeah, like there's this whole thing where they comment multiple times about how she's not wearing underwear and she gets on top of him and takes her top down and starts unbuckling his pants and he just yeah, fucking knock the, out the restaurant, jabs her. The restaurant scene where she's testing his memory includes the obligatory like 2000s transphobia. Oh shit, I oh, blocked it out of my head. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah they, she does this whole thing of like asking him about things around the room that he can't obviously see but he will have seen on the way in. And he's like n- naming everything like, oh yeah, they're having this to eat. He's wearing that. And she goes, what about the woman that's two tables behind you? You know, what colour is her? And he goes, it's not a woman. And it cuts to, oh, it's a, it's a you know, trans person. So, <sighs> of course, you know. Um, anyway, wonderful. So we're just getting... Let's that, do Austin that... Powell's without the attempted humour. Yeah, I know, right? Just why um, fucking even bother? Like, it would be so much easier for films to just have made in the two thousands watermarked over them than include these fucking <laughs> scenes. <laughs> oh Christ! So anyway, um, basically, they are—you uh, know—he go- he goes to a club where that um, the president's son owns. And the present son is selling guns while surrounded brother, by, oh brother, sure, whatever, younger brother. Well, again, doesn't matter. It's the um, it's the Penny's boat guy from Lost. Oh shit, it is too. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, this is, like, this is just a fucking. It's a, a who's who of like two thousands TV. <laughs> and so, I, well, um, I, I say two thousands TV. I'm pretty sure the guy that plays Agent Smith was in Game of Thrones in the 2010s as well. So. Hmm. You might be that. You might be that fucking. I, I think you might be the dipshit from Moonfall's dad in Game of Thrones. That's Feel free to watch. That's too many layers deep of reference. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't yeah. this, like this is. <laughs> You at home, feel free to watch him and don't write in and tell us at mm. Doctor Knife Gun MD about it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, feel free. So they, uh, you know, he, he goes to this uh, club where the guy is doing an arms deal while surrounded by sex workers who are strongly implied to be trafficked, like, enslaved. Um, Once again, he, topless like, for no reason. The treatment yeah. of women in this movie continues seamlessly and incredibly grossly in this scene. Yeah, my, uh, my, my favorite thing about the, the shootout that ensues in this fucking scene is that they clearly filmed it. So that like all of the women were just collateral damage because everyone's just running around spraying fucking like machine gun fire everywhere with like mm-hmm. no fucking regard for like who's in the line of fire or anything. But they were obviously told, uh, no, you can't just have like fucking, do you know what I mean? You can't have all these shots of topless women exploding all over your film. Take oh, them out. So they oh. all just sort of vanish. So uh, wait, wait on that one, Jamie. I've got more for you again when we finish describing this film. So, um, so yeah, so we do this and basically he kills the dude which will mean there'll be a funeral for him and the Russian president will have to attend the funeral, right? And that's the setup on how he draws the Russian president, who's secretly the double, out so that he can actually get a crack at him, okay? Yeah, so the th- a thing I want to bring up here is um, the, this film influencing the games a little bit. I okay. think thematically, this film was what, like 2008, 2007, something like 2007, that? 2007, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hitman Absolution was 2012, and I think like theme, like sort of theme and mood wise, this film being as fucking like grimy and edgy as it is, probably influenced Absolution quite a bit. Hmm. Um, but that specific plot point about someone being killed in order to lure like a relative to a funeral is 
actually like a plot point in the 2016 reboot for one, one of one of the it's not like it's not something you yourself like knowingly do but one of the people you're contracted to kill is actually just like so that his like billionaire reclusive billionaire dad will come out to the funeral and someone else can oh, assassinate yeah. him just an interesting bit of mm. like side trivia there yeah life imitates art imitates shite <laughs> so um where the fuck were we with the plot anyway so yeah no um the he uh, kills the guy yeah he kills the fucking and then the lad from lost yeah the women mysteriously he... disappear in a hail of gunfire yeah sure and then he um he also kidnaps the head of the, the fsb like dodgy agent guy and basically um he does a little saw like, ta- just for fun he does yeah, yeah he does, does a little saw, saw to him. yeah 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 he decides to ask him if he wants to play a game and that game involves him being tied up in a bathtub with chains with barbed wire in them yeah and then uh hooked up to a high voltage generator which will go off in at exactly like midday or something like that yeah it's, danger. Um, it's so high fucking stupid because it's like all oh, right okay like you've that radio in your hand will turn on like for 30 seconds and if you don't order them to kill the president then like after that 30 seconds the fucking generator will turn on and melt you and it's like i'm sorry how is that supposed to be wired up because he just, yeah, he I just leaves I... it's not like he stands around to turn the radio on and then electrocute the guy if he doesn't do what he's told and in fact the plan largely hinges on like the guy not like being able to fucking like order the hit or the hit not working you know and yeah, it, it's just it. it it's... But but Jamie, don't think about it. He gives him a rubber duck to keep him company that he took from his children's like you know bath, so that the guy knows he can fuck with his children as well. Yeah, it's just but like that that whole thing where they just go oh like you know this is this is how the elaborate death trap will work, and it's like okay, but how what what mechanism turns on the generator only if the president is dead? It's the also, ESP that the woman from the second film has. That's what it is. I mean, the ESP is a good point because like this whole film is revealed to have been one long con by the hitman. Because there's a bit we, we skipped over where like uh, fucking Doug Ray Scott gets sent like a, a suitcase full of the hitman's belongings and there's a fucking ornate key with some Latin on it or something. Oh, ugh, uh, yeah. yeah, and it's like a key... Can we, oh, I can't be bothered to, to keep going with this plot if I'm honest. But like, it, it just it, it reveals that like he planned the whole <laughs> the whole series of events from the very beginning, and it's like yeah, he's a super master assassin. It's, it's just uh, I hate that I hate that so much in films where they, they go rather than rather than come up with a clever plan that you would actually go holy shit that was quite clever. They just come up with something com- some convoluted bullshit and just go this guy planned it all from the start. And it's like, okay, but he doesn't seem clever. He seems like the writer is an idiot. Which is yeah. not the same thing. Goldberg machine all along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially what happens is they all... The brother is dead, so there's a funeral service where the president, who is not the president, but the double who has taken over with the help of the evil guy from oh. Prison Break. Uh, and they're all there. And then the evil guy from Prison Break, who's now in the bathtub with the rubber ducky from the, from the Saw franchise. Um, yeah, and no one questions... One of, no one questions where he is either. They just like no. a general comes in to replace him. A general who is the fucking is Lance Boyle from Mega Race. If anyone had that game on CD-ROM in the nineties, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! I do want to also add on on the on the because uh, this guy's the double or whatever. Like they explain the way that they imitate the face of a, of a person on another person by like 
adding in little metal plates or something. Yeah, yeah it was like, like my face is stuck bro, with metal plates fuck? and it's in pain and I'm just like, I don't really care anymore. Um, yeah. So Robert Knapper, uh, the guy from uh, Prison Break, orders one of his guys to shoot the, the president who's not the president. And that, of course, fails. And then the president gets taken into like... Uh, the room where the archbishops lives and that's it's essentially like a double double secret trap because that means the real uh, hitman agent 47 Raylan um, is dressed in like a, a, a big special forces ninja outfit turtle costume yeah a complete ninja <laughs> turtle outfit it looks fucking stupid as all get out imagine, imagine if you only had four polygons in real life <laughs> And then there's a big sort of showy-offy thing. And then what's his face? Um, the double who's not the president, but who's still the president, gets shot by Raylan, uh, after which a helicopter turns off. And it all gets very fucking stupid. That's Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, the core plot, the core plot beat that they kind of went for here is, uh, what we do is we make an attempt on the president's life, but then you wait for them in the safe room and take them out there putting them right into your crosshairs it's like okay that's that's a decent plot beat but the way we do it it's is the plot from it's, it's ass it's, backwards kind of it's the, the same plot the as homeland <laughs> has by the way that which is not a compliment yeah mm. but um mm. my favorite thing about the the events there is that they, the the russians gas all of the civilians in the church because that's how the mm. russians roll baby <laughs> that's how that's their like idea what like what if any trouble happens we'll just gas every cunt it'll be yeah. fine well when you've got a canister everything starts looking like a civilian you yeah know? and then <laughs> and then like i say lance lance Boyle from mega race drops his russian accent after one scene as well which oh, is, yeah, great, like, i was like i was like is this motherfucker meant to be american what is going on yeah here? he just he just he does it for the his introductory scene he's doing the fucking russian accent and then after that he's just like no fuck this like, <laughs> it's like a reverse fucking um vigor more in lord of the rings <laughs> he's um he's absolutely the worst of all of the adr as well like 100 percent, no effort fucking put yeah. at all. so I like mean, this fucking, oh, um yeah. timothy oliphants is pretty bad jesus yeah. christ when 90 yeah. percent of yeah. his lines were uh so anyway, anyway to, to hurtless towards the end of this fucking film he gets arrested Please. by the russians but interpol turn up and go ah we've got like fucking jurisdiction here and they take him away in their car their car is then like fucking like halted by the the cia who just cause a diversion so that like hitman can escape which is like the the guy the guy playing Agent Smith there is having fun with that. That's like one entertaining part where he like pulls them up and he goes like, "Oh, we got reports you were terrorists," and they're like, "Well, are you fucking taking the piss? We're Interpol. We're we're like delivering a suspect." And he's like, "What suspect?" And like they, he's gone. And then the guy's like, "Oh, you know what? You're right. I, I made a mistake." My, the CIA apologizes and gets back in his car, and it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, oh, yeah, fair play, mate. You know what I mean? That's like a proper mm. fucking quality dick move there." Mm. So we now cut back to the surrounding narrative. Remember that? Um, no. Remember the first five minutes? Because I sure don't. Yeah. yeah, where he's he's pointing his gun at the um, Interpol and, guy in his home. And asking and him what a good man kills for or some shit. Yeah, just a forgettable white wine. <sighs> anyway, he, he reveals a plan, which is there is a dead, <laughs> there is a dead agent on the floor who looks like 47, who 47 is clearly brought here and marked earlier. Here's one I killed earlier. And um, he basically says, right, I've killed him using your gun here's your gun, the magazine is in your drawer, wait until the kids go to school and then call it in, and then you can explain the reason the body's cold is because you waited for the kids to go to school so they wouldn't be traumatized by everything. And with it, and like he says to the, the guy, you're going to go along with this guy, says, well, I shouldn't. And he goes, well, you will. And all right, that's that. And then meanwhile, 
Uh, Nika picks up an envelope that has the deed to a vineyard, because um, previously in the film she said it was her dream to own a vineyard. And then from afar, Agent 47 is watching her through the scope of a rifle, having murdered another agent who was going to kill her. And he makes some thing like some wisecrack about how, um, you know, he'd warned the, the organization not to touch her. Mm. And that's the end of the film. Yeah. That's Roll it. credits. Mm-hmm. Executive producer Vin Diesel. I <laughs> so, uh, look, I, I just, I was so fucking tired of this movie. I swear the only reason I made it through it is I was sitting on the couch and halfway through the dog decided to like jump in my lap and have a sleep. And like, this is true. I can't wake we, up the dog. We have photographic evidence of this. So like, that's the reason I sat through this fucking film yeah. and I hated it. It was, it was, my dog. it was fucking terrible. But my should dog we, is Should awesome. we do the worst one now? <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. I promised you a little bit of drama. Um, so basically, basically Xavier Jens filmed this, right? But as it turns out, reports came in that 20th Century Fox actually turned down the version of the film that Jens submitted to them. And then uh, Nicholas de Toth was brought in to no, edit the no, movie for commercial not a name, purposes. No, not a name. This is, it this is <laughs> Nicholas de Toth. No, it isn't. That's T-O-T-H. Just, sorry, that's a character from like Warhammer Fantasy. Nope. And uh, Fox... Yeah, and he fucking cut this movie, damn it. Yeah. And uh, Fox ordered a bunch of reshoots. And Fox have denied claims that Xavier Jennings had been fired due to the extreme violence of his cut and insisted that he was still on the project. Um, but others reported that Jens wasn't even in the country when the reshoots were being done. So basically what happened is this guy turned in a cut of the film which was so bad and so gratuitously violent that 20th Century Fox went, we can't fucking use this. And so Jamie, when you were saying that those women were clearly being gunned down in the club earlier, you're absolutely right. That almost certainly happened. And 20th Century Fox went, this is a this is dog shit and it's got extreme violence that's going to get this like unrated. So they basically chopped the movie to pieces and back. And that's also why there's so much ADR dub as well. It's yeah, like just on- really bad. On the other hand, James, uh, my, my favourite bit of the Wikipedia article is uh, the bit in the critical response section which reads, Despite Hitman's negative reception, Slovenian philosopher and film theorist Slavoj Žižek included the film in his personal list of 10 greatest films in the 2012 poll. Commenting on his picks, he said the list contains only guilty pleasures and he made no compromises for high quality or good taste. <laughs> so who can say... Oh, incredible. All right, good or bad film, note. it doesn't matter. Let's so, just let um, us turn now to a fucking. If you thought this was bad, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so clearly, like 20th Century Fox took a long hard look at this and went, "Well, it's a stinker. We fix it with some edits." And uh, clearly, the director was a problem there. So, no more Xavier. He's done. But Skip Woods, the writer from the first one, he was pretty good. We'll give him another crack. And this again proved to be a terrible mistake. Um, so the second film is a reboot called uh, Hitman Agent 47 and they are it opens you, you're like how can we how can we do even worse than like a bookend um you know setting the scene like flash forward flashback sort of thing yeah instead it starts it's with a fucking voiceover interminable fucking narration yeah it, it starts it, with although a fucking it does if, I, I can't remember the line exactly anymore because quite frankly my brain has not that much bandwidth to like for this shit but they, they do at some point genuinely use the line, um, what if we made a better human? Well, they did. <laughs> There's got okay. to be a better way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
saw <laughs> some old woman like trying to push a bunch of Agent Forty Sixes back into a cupboard. <laughs> so it opens with again like um you know shots of like kids and and tattoos and various other things. But it basically to summarize, Forty Seven is an agent, a genetically enhanced super soldier created by Doctor Peter Rubenko. <laughs> They've as... invented a slightly less bald man. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well, we'll get to that. A skilled Ukrainian geneticist, Litvenko, unable to bear the guilt of his creation, abandoned the agent project. 47 works as a hitman for the International Contracts Agency and has spent the last few years tracking down Litvenko's daughter, Katia. He gets a lead from mercenaries led by Del Riego, who has been trying to find Litvenko in order to recreate the agent uh, program for their own means. Right, so it's already convoluted and stupid for no good reason whatsoever. And I hate yeah. it. I hate it. I just... Argh. Yeah, and Rupert Friend so, is shit and didn't even go bald. It's No, he didn't. Yeah. Like, um, he's just got a shaved head with stubble. Like, it's really bad. Yeah, at least, at least fucking shave that shit when you're going to do a take. Jesus Christ. He looks, well, not, he looks he essentially down, like... Just... Um, what if Sam the Eagle from the Muppets went on a really serious diet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing is, they didn't even bother to put a, like they shaved it down, but then didn't bother to put a bald cap on him, and it's yeah. just very strange. It's, it's, it's anyway. It's really annoying. It's it's a it's a haircut. It's a hairstyle I like to refer to as the rap boy. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever if you ever knew a kid that like fucking like went joyriding in the nineties, that's the haircut they had. Yep. No notes. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, Katie is living in Berlin under the shooting name of Van Dees, and she's been working tirelessly to find an unknown man, spoiler, it's her father, and is plagued by overwhelming anxiety and a superhuman awareness of everything around her. Oh, yeah, boy. I mean, I did, I, this, film, I this film is essentially just a list of scenes from better films. <laughs> yes, I mean, yes like, and it's why I hate it so much. A low bar to clear, admittedly, but like, it's just ideas from other films, but done worse. So like, yeah. her, yeah, her, her suck Van Dees nuts. Yeah, yeah. Her, having, <laughs> her having like the fucking super senses, and then taking like the anti-anxiety medication that like numbs her unknown superpowers is just the fucking plot of Wanted. Yeah, <laughs> except like, there's no also, there's no also, loom for to ask anyone about. So clearly just, a worse it's just film. come to me now. It's just come to me now. They've they've invented a woman with autism. Like this is yeah. all they've done. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's 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 long been commented on that like Agent Forty Seven like is coded as autistic in the games because he he like speaks with very little emotion and is good at everything he tries to do which famously is like a thing with autistic people they're just great at everything you know like my life my life is just a master work i've never done anything wrong ever <laughs> well you are you are quite good at hitman though so uh... well yeah that's true but um <laughs> it's just you've been applying your skills in the wrong direction i, I should clearly stop we need i should we stop need... taking the medication clearly it's holding me back yeah, we should, we should stop taking medication. We should set a pack of guns on you, and you'll suddenly discover yourself. No, Jamie, what you need to do is you stop taking medication that you steal out of random people's bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, in terms of speaking of Don't like judge reminding my you weekends. of <laughs> speaking of reminding you of better movies, the whole thing being set in, but it's partially set in Berlin, and then it goes to some tax havens. Um, but like the bit in Berlin is like. Also, speaking of reminding you of better movies, it's um, the, the the direction and everything. It looks visually so much like the Bourne Identity in parts, and I'm like, God, yep. I was wishing the wish I was watching the Bourne Identity again. 
this this film legit just straight up rips off scenes from other films like there's a bit as i was watching this earlier today um i was just typing in the chat to people and um i think i have stuff like um the matrix called it wants its ideas back no country for old men called it wants its ideas back watchmen called it wants its ideas back like scene for scene we're not even joking down to the dialogue being the same in places like um there's one bit he does for whole you know i'm not trapped in here with you you're trapped in here with me and it's just like oh for fuck's sake you know yeah with that guy that like when he's been interrogated by a fucking like uh, an actor who I'm sure has played a lot of waiters. <laughs> but the the setup the setup for that scene is that like that he's been interrogated by this guy at the embassy you try to bring into and the guy brings in a fucking like the like forty seven sniper rifle and loads it on the table. And in also front of his him. guns oh. and knives, like just yeah, they, like let's bring in the the armaments you had to put them on the table as evidence to intimidate you with. Uh yeah, that's just really stupid stuff. Yeah. But anyway, we're, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Long story short, um, Katia, the way the, the way the setup to this film goes is Katia is approached on uh, at subway station by a guy calling himself John Smith, and he tells her that listen, there's an assassin called Forty Seven on his way to kill her. I'm gonna protect you, and I think I know who you're searching for. So 47 shows up and starts attacking them, and you're like, oh, wow, twist of this film, 47's the bad guy. And I will admit, for like half a second, I was like, well, that could be interesting, but no. Yeah, I um, mean, it's, a, it's a, again, like a theme is that, that this you, you get people in it and you go, surely you're better than this, mate. Because like, the, the, the John Smith is played by Spock from the yeah, fucking by, uh, uh, Zachary the Star Trek Yeah, Zachary Quinto, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a talent in, and it poss- possibly my one of my favorite movies of all time. So like, I was so fucking disappointed with this shit. Like, incredible. Just oh, I, I, oh, I, I had no I idea anyone had actually gone to bat for Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, uh, margin, margin, margin call. Go watch Margin Call in 2011. It's a fucking great movie. It's 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 yeah, finance shenanigans. Film. It's great. Yeah. Go well, I mean, that. of it's course it is. Fucking dross. It's your your favorite <laughs> film of all time. It's obviously going to be about a finance event, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you just need to get Rob in front of a how-to Excel YouTube video. Just just turn <laughs> off this fucking podcast and go watch Margin Call. Like, do yourself a fucking favor because this is it's. I hate. Yeah. This. Just ignore. Yeah, don't the fact don't listen Kevin to these fucking idiots. <laughs> Like Kevin Spacey being in it is the is, you know you know yeah it's that's the, that's the one a problem. I will work perfect. It. He also has the most dog shit role, but that's a. He anyway, does, we'll watch Margin Call another time. Um, oh, is that yeah? Oh, right. So Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy Margin Call was slowly learning all the hits. Anyway, um, so now we're back they, to the Hitman. Yeah. <sighs> so um, they get away from Forty Seven. They go to her hot- her hotel room. She's held up in. She shows the guy all of her like you know um, red string on a cork board. I'm tracking this person. Oh my god! This bit was so fucking pointless yeah and, it was. and the guy's like urging her to tell him where this guy is and uh, at this point 47 shows up shoots the guy dead and knocks her unconscious and takes her captive right yeah. so you're like oh he's not there to kill her interesting i wonder where this is going um <sighs> where it's going is like the weirdest fucking like bondage scene ever put to cinema i think <laughs> i right i genuinely when watching this is there a category just, I... on is there a category on fat life for jet engines <laughs> yeah so he wakes her up has a whole conversation with her about how she's the daughter of this dude who made him etc 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 and then um 
you know, basically, like, they're going to find him together because he needs to protect him because that guy, John Smith, was working for an organization called Syndicate International and they want to restart the agent program. And so they need to find her father before they do, essentially. Oh. All right, okay, we, we got it. And, so and then the, she's like, the, the all right, well, is, is, no. is a race for uh, to find Kieran Hines and then subsequently to find whatever country his accent is from. Yeah, yeah. only Kieran <laughs> also, Hines knows how to work a test tube. <laughs> they also thought this I, I, this bit just made me roll my eyes right out the sockets um he explains that her name which is katia van dees oh, is oh, a yeah, homophone yeah, yeah. for her real name quatre vink deeks i'm pronouncing van Dijk. someone katra van dees jesus that katra van dees sure <laughs> i didn't do french all right i no, did spanish you don't say this is i <laughs> Vinked! Yeah. This motherfucker just said Vinked! <laughs> <laughs> ah, well. Kessler Vi. <laughs> well, you can all suck on my quattro big dicks as far as I'm oh, concerned. Anyway. Um, anyway, so it turns out that that, which I can't pronounce in French, is French for 90. <laughs> Implying that she's part of the same series that he himself also, was made from. Also, a very subtle burn on uh, the French n- method of uh, doing numbers, which sucks dick. Yeah, <laughs> it does, actually, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so she's like, okay, right, well, I'm in to untie me. And he goes, well, untie yourself. Walks a few steps away in the darkness and turns on the massive fucking turbine jet engine that she's, like, tied to a chair in front of and tells her to untie herself and walks off as the jet engine's, like, spooling up. Yeah, and um, then she goes, I, like, into, like, precog mode. Um, I don't know yeah, what to pre- call it. <laughs> she she goes precog Reverse and then does Lara Croft. mode. Yeah, she she does precog and then does um, Lara Croft aerobatics to uh, yeah. get the fuck the, um, out of the chair. And the she does essentially precog and then postcog. It's the, uh, it's the fucking BBC, <laughs> BBC Sherlock <laughs> Mind Palace thing where she just, like, freezes yeah. and, like, fucking... It's meant... It, like, in that instance, it's meant to be her thinking about what to do. You know, like, fucking, um... Like, actually, like, the the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, now that I think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then yeah, in other instances, they... it's meant to be her, like... Like, when she, she suddenly realizes some guys are about to burst into the room, it's meant to be her hearing them outside, but they illustrate it in the worst, worst possible way they could. And so it just looks like she's actually psychic. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I thought she was psychic. Well, that's what I mean. It's terrible direction. Yep. So um, he she gets out the chair and goes off to find 47. Turns out there's like a platoon of guys showing up to catch them. And she's like, we should run. And he's like, no, we will stand and fight. And you will activate your training, right? Yeah, you, so uh, oh. th- this whole scene yeah, is basically her... They, they explain, her, like fucking uh, like Spock explains earlier, that her dad genetically programmed her to be good at survival, and that's why she like she never shows up on CCTV. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. She just got one of those faces that cameras can't just, recognize. Just hire an adult to write your films. That's all I'm asking. You know, like stop <laughs> how, giving it to twelve, the same twelve-year-old boy that writes the Resident Evil films. Listen, it's, it's skip, a miracle it's like, that they keep that twelve-year-old boy twelve years old. To be honest, listen, <laughs> skip, Skippy is a perfectly adult writer. How dare you with that haircut? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so these guys show up, and she's like, she's talking to forty-seven, going, "Okay, there's going to be two of them here," and like, you know, basically does the ta- I innately know tactics bullshit with them, and um, which is all foiled when oh my god, Smith is still alive, yeah, the guy from earlier because he's got and metal it, boobs. 
yeah, he's got surgically implanted <laughs> subdermal body no, armor. Oh, no, 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 it's stupider. No, it's, it's stupider than that. It's so it was stupider. subdermal liquid titanium, I think. It's, and I was like, liquid titanium? It's Excuse me? It's, <laughs> it's literally the Wolverine thing where they've just like dipped him in pig iron or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we dipped him in a liquid, like red hot vat of molten metal, and uh, yeah, he just came out stronger yeah, somehow. It. He's yeah. literally bulletproof. He's impervious it's, to gunshots. It's so good. So he he beats up Agent Forty Seven, who like does his best, but like fucking Zachary Quinto's robot tits are just too powerful. Very <laughs> <laughs> big metal honkers, yeah. Yeah, and At then like point? the woman, the woman shoots the window in front of the jet engine, right? And you have the, the what is always any time it comes up, which is a surprising amount of times, but whenever it comes up in a film, I always like fucking do a little cheer. Someone goes, "You missed," and then someone else goes, "They didn't no, miss," because then the window <laughs> explodes and all the fucking soldiers get sucked into the jet engine, which is Just still running. Incred- from- if you ever, if you ever yeah. write in a script and you include lines where someone goes, "You missed," and someone else goes, "No, I didn't," retire and live a long, peaceful life. <laughs> <laughs> bequeath the script to someone else in your will and maybe they'll do a better job <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's, it's dog shit anyway so they escape and katia makes 47 promise that he won't harm her father and finally reveals that he's in singapore because we've got uh, no, 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 no. before we do this it I this is where the movie took a very strange turn, which I almost appreciated because it actually turns in to a dialogue essentially between various strands of Catholicism, namely Calvinism, as to whether or not predestination exists and whether or not you can actually work against your fate and make choices or whether or not things are set in stone for life. And that's a very interesting. Fil- uh, no, sorry, I can't. I can't even finish this joke. It's a predestination <laughs> joke. Just. Become a Calvinist. Like, go watch Margin Call. You heard Cole. it here first. This film is so bad that it's killed Rob's ability to make jokes. I mean, it was never that big to begin with, but, you know. <laughs> so, they go to Singapore. Whether they go there as Catholics or Calvinists, I leave as an exercise for the audience. They uh, they track down her dad, who apologizes for abandoning her, saying that he only wanted to keep her safe and refers to 47 as her brother. Oh, he's from the same genetic blah 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 blah. Who gives a shit? Uh, is this Syndicate have we already passed the uh, the the embassy scene, or is that in Singapore? Because I've already forgotten this. No, the embassy scene was before she teamed up. With oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. With, with the gun. Nobody cares. There's an embassy scene. Don't don't worry about it. Also, yeah, there's, there's a great there's a line in here, by the way, because like um, uh, somewhere in between them arriving in Singapore. Honestly, this plot is not important. Um, and. They say that uh, her father, Kieran Hines, has uh, lung cancer, so he should have died like a while ago, but he isn't dead. And the reason why, as given as a brief explanation, because I wrote it in a DM to Jamie, um, is that he's still alive because right now he's doing nanoparticle inhalation therapy. Yeah. (laughs) For fuck's sake. Yeah, and it's totally it, it's it, it's incredible that because it's like oh he's got to he's got to keep using this inhaler or he'll die, and then it's like on the way to fucking meet him, forty seven swaps like like pickpockets a fucking inhaler off a kid in a lift. No, he doesn't uh, pickpocket. He trades the kid his knife for the inhaler. Oh, but it's no, a- the, the knife of uh, Katia, who which he had given the knife to about thirty seconds prior. Yeah, he pickpockets the knife off her, but it's implied that he, like, the kid's shown playing with the knife, but I thought the implication was that he just, like, swiped the thing and replaced it with the knife, yeah. rather than actually yeah. turned around in front of the kid's parents and go, do you want to swap this knife for that inhaler? 
Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, like, so he's just got a child's asthma inhaler, which apparently also works for, like, lung cancer. Lung cancer, yeah. Yeah, and then at the end is shown to be a, an explosive device triggered by the same method, like, that you use to take, an, like, an inhalation from it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, how did how did he switch it from a, inhaler mode to bomb mode? That's the fucking Johnny English bit, isn't it? With the fucking pen that just shoots uh, if you click I, it twice. I think what he, I think the implication is he when he heard that he's like, well, I need to assassinate him later. Here's how I'll do it. I'll take this inhaler, I'll rig it as an explosive, and I'll swap it for his actual inhaler because the reasons. Yeah, but he never he never actually he's never shown to tell the guy that that, that it's now a bomb. No, it just, well, it just it, it just, just is. Some of the ESP from uh, the woman. That's that's fine. <laughs> that'll, that'll do. I mean, I, I don't know what to say here, Jamie. You're you're, you're treating this like this is a well-written film. Well, I mean, that's sense. the thing, though. Like every every like the three of them all seem to have like this sort of uh, like psychic fucking knowledge of each other's actions, but then she doesn't know that her dad's going to blow himself up at the end of the film. Yeah, but see, this is really like a sort of core conflict in the philosophy of the movie because, like, if she can predict the future, <laughs> which she can. You know, because like she, she she has the precog thing going on where she knows where the bad guys are going to be in at any given second, and I think the ability to spend space time by may have started hallucinating at this point in the plot. But on the <laughs> other hand, they keep talking about how your actions define who you are and not who you are. So like the fact that she could see the future is a a confirmation of predestination, whereas their actions say that it isn't. So quite frankly, this whole movie is not resolved. I don't know why I'm here anymore. I'm really tired. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they they escape they escape with a da in a fucking sports car, which then I can't I genuinely can't remember. This came out in like was it twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen? Was that before or after whichever Fast and Furious film it is where they all shoot harpoons at Vin Diesel's car because he's turned evil? I cannot remember that either, and I should remember that because I like those movies because they're very fucking stupid. But yeah, because it's oh, basically yeah. the oh, same. Oh, you're right. Now they they like fish hook him in the car in like a square in Tax Havenville, um, and then yeah. all like there's there's like all these little dudes who like come zip wiring down. They all sh- yeah, they all shoot harpoons into the car to like pin it in the center of a fucking crossroads. Then they all like like abseil down the lines they've just shot at the car and he just gets out and just shoots everyone as they're sliding towards him yeah he he, he gets out and enters the quick time event and immediately starts putting <laughs> on the left trigger right trigger repeatedly yeah like so, um, i don't i don't know where exactly this fell in this film but i've just got a note here that reads Crichton technologies which i didn't know robert llewellyn was going to make an appearance in this film <laughs> i think we're just referring to the fact that it's like you know lots of bold guys essentially <laughs> this film would be dramatically improved with Crichton, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, they, it, yeah, they're like fucking. They're in the car and they're getting shot with harpoons, and then they escape again. And then, like, a dad gets shot. Yeah, so they have to leave him behind. Also, it is mm-hmm. at this point that like Catherine uh, uh, Van Dies and and. 47 <laughs> don't rub it in rob did develop yeah i am um develop like this this weird friendship sort of thing and it's essentially it comes about because he repeatedly psychologically tortures her so she reveals her like omega level psychic abilities that may or may not have anything to do with predestination and it's a really cool way to be like oh okay the way to a woman's heart is to just just like break her constantly psychologically and threaten her father it's really good like it's just, just it's so... nagging it's fine yeah it's nagging thank you yeah 
Yeah, but anyway, so Dad gets taken to like the fucking giant cyberpunk tower where the where the <laughs> the head of the fucking syndicate is revealed to never come out of his office. Yeah, he just and shits, then, he just shits in the corner. <laughs> yeah, and they um with, with the world's biggest iPad, they, they crack it open and the smell of farts just rolls out. <laughs> the building. Spock Spock is having a dad tortured by like injecting him with hot sauce or some fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I kid you not. That's basically what they're doing. It's, yes. it's it's hot sauce mixed with uh blue like fucking um oh, Nyquil. Blue? <laughs> not Lucasade, the American stuff. Gatorade. Oh, uh, Gatorade. Gatorade. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, and then a helicopter turns up. And oh, it's, he, at it's, first, like, um, it's uh, so, it's so incredibly well done because it's like he's talking to them, he's talking to the people in the building over their loudspeakers, and they're like, How did he get into our systems? And then the helicopter appears outside the window, and the like fucking Katya's shown to be unconscious in the helicopter. But then it's minutes later, it's revealed that 47 is already inside the building, and she wakes up and flies the helicopter in the window. Like that bit in the Matrix where the helicopter crashes into the building, but like, how was the helicopter <laughs> crashing, flying? Crashing a helicopter into a building is very much like waking up from the Matrix. It is, yeah. <laughs> how how is the helicopter flying itself if she's unconscious and Forty Seven's in the building already? There was a little machine that was like like remote pilot mode, which uh, I'm sure is very easy with a fucking helicopter. Yeah, I, I must have missed that. Curses! They they thought of everything. <laughs> If only Buddy Holly had had one of those. Oh, anyway. you've been you've been outdone, Jamie, by a bit of paper that says, "Don't worry, it's on autopilot mode." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then like they they fucking like they have a big fight in the building, and forty seven fights uh, Spock in the guy's office, and there's one slightly cool moment where like one of them gets like fucking slammed onto the table, and it and turns it activates. on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, the rest of it's just shit, though. It's like, okay, yes. the guy's got bulletproof tits, but you're standing three feet from him, and it was shown earlier that you can, like, fire a sniper rifle from two towns over and graze a woman, gr- deliberately graze a woman's cheek in a moving car. Why can you not hit this guy in the eyeball from, like, three yeah. feet away? <laughs> so in the end, they're having a big fight, and he's losing again, um, and then he, he fiber-wires the guy and plugs him into the mains so that he gets, like, electrocuted. <laughs> yeah. And then it uh, goes off to fucking, like, they go to the helipad at the end of the film where they just sort of, like, aimlessly spin around while loads of bullets go off. Like, no, there's no sense of geography or, like, yeah. threat or anything in that scene. It's just people Actually, firing Actually, in, in guns. the whole fucking film, one of my notes for this film is conservation of momentum, what's that? Because the number of times, like, there's a bit where they fall onto a moving train, bounce off of it, and immediately hit the ground below, and there's no momentum conservation yeah. in it. They don't get any rotational energy from hitting the tr- top of a train. There's another bit where a guy falls off a rail, uh, uh, falls off the top of a building, bounces off a rail, and immediately splats on the floor. And there's no like, there's no dead cat bounce, nothing. And just throughout the film, the just the physics are fucked, and everything is just like fucking weightless there's yeah. just nothing really to it but this is like there's like they go out onto the helipad as the guy as the villain's taken off with her dad and then um like there's like 20 guys there that just all open up with uzis and the, everyone just sort of like runs around and no one important like gets anywhere near a bullet and it's like how is this supposed to be working you know they're just oh they're there and they're in the open now they're behind a pillar there's bullets going off near them it's it's just baffling and then the helicopter explodes because he sets off the bomb in the inhaler. 
And, and oh, then, see, this is this is the bit of the film that uh, the last four minutes I didn't get to watch. Uh, oh, oh strap in, Alistair. Spoiler yeah. alert! Yeah, a dad, a dad suicide bombs a helicopter and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they f- they mop up the last of the fucking hundred guys on the rooftop, and then another fucking like Rupert Friend comes out onto the roof, but he's his his barcode ends in a forty-eight. Oh, Rupert Friends. Yeah. His barcode <laughs> ends in a forty-eight, and that's like that's where the like they all point guns at each other, and that's the end of the film. And no, the go, oh, first no. no, 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 no. First, the forty-eight says Diana says hello, so it turns out that the hitman right. assassin. Yeah, yeah, but that the hitman the, assassination agency is on. I no, sorry, I the, can't. The implication, the implication though, is that like because this guy that's come out is forty-eight, he's one better than like 47 and they're in danger but they've also got 90 with them so there's 137 against 48 it's like <laughs> do you know what i mean the numbers just don't add up in that guy's favor at all but then anyway then the credits start and if anyone like persevered two minutes into the credits, you get, a, you get a brief flash of uh, zachary quinto waking up because he actually like his robot boobs like survived the electrocution but now Dun dun dun! He's an albino, which, as anyone who's ever seen a Hollywood film knows, is like fifty percent more evil than another guy. It's just the rules, right? So it's those red eyes; you can't trust them. Yeah. Would you say this is this is the second or the worst post-credit scene that we've seen? What's the what's the, what's the oh, worst one? Oh, where? I mean, the one the one on like fucking Angel Has Fallen was great. So. <laughs> oh no! I think he's talking about um, you know, the Kingsman, right? Oh, do you know what? That's just been erased in my memory. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't remember what the fucking mid credit scene was on The Kingsman. The, uh, oh, the left oh, hand. The, the the oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that was yeah. the greatest moment in cinematic history. I'd, for- I'd genuinely forgotten that was mid credits because I saw that on Twitter before the film. So <laughs> <laughs> That was the reason I wanted to watch that film, if anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, in summary, these films fucking suck. Stop yeah, hiring Skip so Woods. Oh, what else, what else like Skip Woods? Films. Look, uh, what uh, else has Skip Woods written? He's, he um, wrote the A Team, the 2010 adaption, adaptation. Yeah, well, he did. Sense, uh, that sucks as well. Actually, did, I think you'll find they fly a tank in that, so that's actually good. In <laughs> right, 2015, so Adrian Ascaria. Ascaria? Right. Oh, why is it the so, names? told IGN in an interview that he may oversee a film universe with Just Cause, Hitman, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, and Thief. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. Oh. Do it. Do it, you fucking coward. Run that shit into the fucking ground. I love that. I love just Thief casually thrown in amongst I mean, all the Wow, it's, it's Ready Player One, but with all of my favourite uh, uh, IPs. I'm fairly confident that's not happening now, though, because that would be... Um, like All of those games there were published by... Uh, IDOS, I believe, mm. before yeah, which doesn't exist anymore. Before Square Enix bought them out, and I think yeah. I don't think all of those games are even owned, still owned by like the same company anymore. So. No, Square uh, Enix I've sold also, them off. So I've also got further bad news: a sequel to Hitman Agent Forty Seven was planned, but was scrapped in 2019 after Disney's acquisition of 21st Century Fox. Oh, well, Disney no. may be not all bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> unless unless what, they let uh, the fucking like uh, John Wick dipshits make a TV show. Well. To, uh, to tell you what Skip Woods has previously written, by the way, he wrote Thursday, Swordfish, Live Free or Die Hard. Swordfish, fucking hell. Oh, well, I mean, if you told me these were behind, these were from the, the mind of the genius behind Swordfish, that explains fucking everything. 
if anything, he's getting better with age. On a fucking future uh, cultural committee, the fucking swordfish. He then did. He went right. Get this. So he went swordfish, live for your die hard, hitman, X Men Origins Wolverine, which is terrible. Wait, 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 wait. He did Die Hard Four as well. Yes. Uh, Yes. He did the eighteen. Then a good day to die Die hard. hard Five. Then sabotage. Then Hitman Agent 47, and that's the last thing he did was oh, this film. I fucking I I love this guy. I Die Hard for <laughs> Oh, my God. The yeah. A-team, like, just saved entirely by the director, then? I can only assume there. I mean, it must be, surely, because this guy... I mean... It just everything about this film and the previous one just sucks so badly. And I've not really seen anything in that list of greatest hits there... Um, that make me think he's got any like you know talent as a writer whatsoever. Also, he was uncredited on Live Free or Die Hard, but he did write on it apparently. Yeah, I mean that's a fucking terrible film as well. Mm. But anyway, in in summary, either all of us were already destined to do this movie and watch it and then do this <laughs> podcast together, or we weren't because our choices determine our actions. And frankly, yeah. it's it's up to you to solve this conundrum and also develop autism and then get superpowers. Much yeah. to think about. Much yeah, to think. Um, we, should, we should finish. Does anyone like have any suggestions for how who you think could actually make a good hitman if they were making another film? As the actor, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the director. I mean, you can um, suggest a director as well if you want, like. But I was just thinking, who, who, which actor would like best convey the adventures of like fucking Clive Hitman? In terms of like director, I think if you got um, Pete Travis, maybe, um, in to do it. Who's that? I think he's a guy who did Dread. All right. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think in terms of if you of... want to get like a good hitman, I think. Uh, probably got to butcher the pronunciation but um uh, tatiana maslani might be a good hitman like if you shave her mm-hmm. head what <laughs> <laughs> just in general or for a film <laughs> i'll just take your pick honestly um I, I i really don't know um just get carol urban to do it. i just just get fucking the, the the guy for dread and just get carol urban on and yeah <laughs> Yeah, Carl, Carl, Carl you, Urban could get probably, rid of all your hair now. Carl Urban could probably do it justice. I was thinking, um, fucking, uh, what's his name? You know, The Witcher. Oh, um, oh, Robert um, Cavill. Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Yeah, I think Henry Cavill could probably do it justice. That's all a good for show, comedy yeah. purposes. And he's a, you and he's a gamer. You get oh, he's a yes. gamer. He's he's definitely he's got the right face and head shape for it. So. Yeah, yeah. We just yeah. got. We, we need to know about Henry Cavill's he- brain yeah. pan so that All we can right. determine whether it's All the right. right fit. Everybody, get your calipers. We're going on expedition. <laughs> no, I've I've got <laughs> it. Sorry, I've got it. Just Adrian Edmondson. <laughs> <laughs> Toby Young. Fuck off! We're just we're just naming bald guys now. Right? Let's yeah, fucking Patrick, end yeah, Patrick, I mean, shit. I mean, Patrick it would be a Stewart? fucking improvement. <laughs> It would be a fucking improvement over this, sec- this uh, Agent 47 film because they'd be actually bald. For yeah. real. 20, 20 years ago, Patrick Stewart could have absolutely nailed that shit because he's, yeah. he's like he's so good at doing the fucking like, like stupid shit. When he's mm-hmm. been in comedies, he's really, really good. Hmm. Yeah, he, he is see, a man, he is a man that would Stewart absolutely... Yeah, he would absolutely dress up in like a fucking mascot costume and then fight a bunch of guys if he came yeah. to. Yeah. 
<laughs> get him in that period where he was filming like Star Trek Nemesis and the rest of them, where he wanted to be like the leading man kind of action hero kind of figure. And yeah, he'd definitely do it. What if we shave Jason Statham? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I can't stress enough how much Jason Statham is not allowed to be Agent Forty Seven. Actually, though, yes. actually, now that you mention it, there's that yeah. bit in there's that bit in. Um, I mean, he's he's fucking great in Spy. Uh, if anyone's seen that, and if you haven't, you should watch Spy because it's great. He's he's really good at the comedy in that. But also, there's the there's a scene in one of the fucking Fast and Furious films where he has to save a like he has to extract a baby from a fucking like plane in flight. And he's like running around with like the the baby in a little fucking like cot in one hand and a gun in the other, and he keeps like talking to the baby as he's murdering guys. It's like, yeah, it's really good. It's fucking great. Anyway, yeah. um, I I have now foreseen that this is the end of this fucking recording because I I can't do deal anymore. <laughs> Rob's got a migraine that has dictated to him that this is the end. <laughs> Actually, it turns out that David's typing in front of a big jet engine. And I have to escape this fucking recording. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, let's let's fuck this off. Um, so I, I hope you all enjoyed uh, this cultural committee where we watch bad films for your amusement. Um, fuck you if you did enjoy it, and we'll probably do one again soon. Don't know what it's going to be, uh, but stay tuned. Um, go watch Margin we'll Call. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Go go do that. We'll catch you next week. Yeah. See ya. See you. See ya. Bye.